Nehemiah is a godly man, and he is certainly praying about this, as we'll see later. So he consulted with himself. He thought about it first. And by the way, that's really important to think through things when something has come across you that has angered you. Think through it. Pray about it. Don't run out and do something right away. Welcome to this Monday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. Greg, we understand that Satan is going to attack us through those in his domain. And we often see those attacks coming from the outside. Yet, what are we to do when those attacks come through those within the church? Well, Dave, that's exactly what we're going to begin to see today as we continue our study in the book of Nehemiah. So turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 5, and we're looking at verses 1 through 19. Well, thanks, Greg. And if you're new to Equipping the Saints, head over to our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org to learn more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Our web address is simply etsradio.org. Now, with today's message, here's our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. These are people who are poor and in need of money to eat. If you lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to them. You shall not charge them interest. That's pretty clear. Turn to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus 25. Now we're going to see in Leviticus that when someone is using usury like this, it is an evidence they don't fear the Lord because they are unloving towards their brethren. They are self-centered towards self and aggrandizing themselves financially. Leviticus 25, verse 35. Now in the case of a countryman of yours who becomes poor. Now there are principles for us in the body of Christ too as we read these Old Testament passages, okay? Becomes poor and his means with regard to you falter then you are to sustain him. How about that? You're to take care of him like a stranger or a sojourner that he might live with you. Do not take usurious interest from him, but revere or fear your God that your countrymen may live with you. You shall not give him your silver and interest nor your food for gain. Hmm, what's going on back in our passage, right? Certainly that's what's happening. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Now, it's important to realize this is the land God promised, and they're actually taking away the land that was their inheritance. A lot of sin involved. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And if a countryman of yours becomes poor with regard to you, that he sells himself to you, you shall not subject him to a slave's service. Oh, he says, he shall be with you as a hired hand, as if he were a sojourner. He shall serve with you until a year of jubilee. Every seven years, all the debts were cleared. He says here, he shall then go out from you. He is sons with him and shall go back to his family, that he may return to the property of his forefathers. For they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They are not to be sold in a slave sale. You shall not rule over him with severity, but you are to revere your God. Now, we saw here that they were having to sell themselves to the nations in slavery so they could pay off their debt. Later on, we're going to see that Nehemiah has been buying them out of the nations. And how ironic is that? I'm buying them out and you're selling them to them, right? We're going to see a total difference in attitude towards God's people. 
that has to do with you are to revere or fear your God. Our sin is based around a lack of fear of God. We need to fear God. God loves his people. And if you mess with his people, he's going to be on you. All right? Fear the Lord. How about Deuteronomy 23? This is a pretty clear principle in Scripture. And evidently, Nehemiah hadn't heard of it because he's outraged when he does hear about it. He hadn't known that this was going on, evidently. Because when he found out, he dealt with it right away. That's why you got to make things known, as we'll talk about that. Deuteronomy 23, verse 19. You shall not charge interest to your countrymen, interest on money, food, or anything that may be loaned at interest. You may charge interest to a foreigner, but to your countrymen you shall not charge interest, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all that you undertake in the land that you are about to enter and possess. Deuteronomy 24.10, I'll read this. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You make a deal, you don't take his house as pledge. You don't say, great, I will loan you money, but you got to put your vineyard up. you got to put your house up. No, very wrong. So then here, we see it has to do with a fear of the Lord. And so Nehemiah is hearing this, and he is outraged of this great outcry. He's, we're going to see in a moment, he is very angry. Now this makes you think about something. These people doing this, and it's so contrary to God's word, where are their hearts at? Are they believers? Well, they name the name of the Lord. Later on, they're going to respond. But there's some passages that make us wonder about where someone is when they do certain things. Turn to Psalm 15. David's going to say, who is the one that's going to dwell on your holy hill? The people that don't do these things. Because they're changed, right? Because they believed in the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ, who was to come. Psalm 15, a psalm of David. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent, who may dwell on thy holy hill, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does he does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up an approach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest. Okay? He does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. He's implying that, hey, you know, if these guys, that's their character, something's really wrong. Because the ones who are gods don't do this. So we don't know where the hearts are of these lobels and these people, but we know what they're doing is like those who don't know Christ, right? Those who don't know the Lord. Look at Ezekiel chapter 18. In Ezekiel, this was just before as they were being exiled to Babylon. This just of generations before. You know, probably about 170 years, 180 years, maybe 200 years from there, 70 plus the years that they'd been back. Now God was making it clear that these are the type of people he's going to judge. These are the ones that judgment is coming for. And he's going to explain. Ezekiel 18, verse 8. This is the good ones. If he does not lend money on interest or take increase, if he keeps his hand from iniquity, if he exercises true justice between man and man, if he walks in my statutes, my ordinances, so as to deal faithfully, he is righteous and he will surely live. Hey, no judgment coming here. One of the issues was taking interest usury. That's a big deal because it shows that you have a lack of love for your brothers and sisters. It's a big deal. So then, these rulers and nobles identify with the Lord. They are Jewish brothers. They've come, evidently, 
to do God's work, but they're acting like those who do not know the Lord. And therefore, there is a great outcry, a great outcry against them, a crying out concerning this injustice and sinfulness, this lack of fear concerning the Lord. Now, folks, this assumes for us. Now, there's nothing new, right? Should there be an outcry for us? If there's things like this, yeah, I believe there's a principle here. Certainly, in the New Testament, these would not be people who are simply caught in a trespass. Galatians chapter 6. They're not people who are sinning that no one else really sees, and you're going to go in private. You're going to hopefully win them, you know, and then you have to take two or three if they don't, you have to share that also. This is open and outright sin publicly to the whole body of Christ, you see, and it's, it's clear. It's wide open, it's outright, it's being done. You might remember the Apostle Paul had to rebuke Peter in public concerning his sin in Galatians chapter 2 when he was aloof with the Jews from the Gentiles. He had to be reproved. No process there. Public sin, just, hey, stop it, man, you know, in a sense, right? And we're going to see the same thing here. So then, in dire circumstances from our passage, it appears that it is okay to cry out concerning so-called brothers and sisters who are publicly sinning against you in this sense. I think that's part of the principle we see here. Nehemiah is not going to say, hey, guys, why did you cry out? You should have gone back to the law. Remember, you have one witness, then don't take it, and there's two witnesses, Deuteronomy. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. The outcry is clear. It's clear sin. It's right in the face, right? It's right in the face. So then, notice that in the context of this outcry, We need to then let godly leaders do their job in Christ. Notice what Nehemiah does. He confronts the situation. He responds to the outcry. And then wisely, now he wisely contends with the nobles and the rulers. He does it in a wise way. Verse 5, Then I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. And I consulted with myself. We'll talk about that. Interesting statement. And contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, you are exacting usury, each from his brother. He contended with them. So Nehemiah here, the first thing he does, notice he was very angry. This is a righteous anger. He was greatly angered at the injustice of what was happening. This is a righteous anger. This is a great sin that reveals a lack of a fear of the Lord. Verse 9, and again, I said, the things you are doing are not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Right? It's a great lack of fear of God. And later on, Nehemiah would talk about not laying burdens on the people as the governor because he feared God. Verse 18. So then he's very angry. And Nehemiah also would share that he had lent money and grain, but not an interest. Verse 10. So Nehemiah cared about the people. He was concerned for them, and he did good to them. And so he was greatly angered about those who were doing evil to them, especially within the group of Jews. Then I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. There's a righteous anger, but it only lasts for a little bit, folks. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You'll see Nehemiah doesn't act in an angry way after his initial anger at all. Very angry. We know from Ephesians 4.26 that we are to be angry and not sin. We're not to let the sun go down on our irritation even. 
So then, we know that we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. We're not to give Satan a place. But there are times when there is sin and it's going to make you angry, righteously angry, and then you got to give it over to the Lord and trust Him with it. So then, he had a righteous anger. He was very angry because his brothers were being severely sinned against by their own Jewish brothers. They were exacting usury, usury. And Nehemiah was mad concerning the sin. How could you treat them that way? We'll see. And notice what he does. And this is very important for us to see. Then I was very angry when I heard the outcry and these words, and I consulted with myself. (laughs) I like that. He consulted with himself. Nehemiah thought about it. You know, that's one of our problems. When something happens, we get irritated or angry. Maybe it's a righteous irritation or angry, and we got to let it go. We don't consult with ourselves. We don't think about it. We just go out and do something. Nehemiah consulted with himself. The term speaks of receiving counsel or advice. You know, you take you ever talk to yourself. You know, we do every once in a while. We have that little conversation there in a sense. You know, and obviously Nehemiah is a godly man, and he is certainly, I believe, praying about this, as we'll see later. So he consulted with himself. He thought about it first. And by the way, that's really important, really important to think through things when something has come across you that has angered you. Think through it. Pray about it. Don't run out and do something right away. Think through it. And he consulted with himself. And here, Nehemiah is the leader. He's the governor. He is their leader theologically in a sense, but also he is their leader governmentally here also underneath the king. So he thought it over before he acted. We can learn from this. Think things over. Pray about them before you act. It's so easy on impulse to just act. Don't do it. Learn from Nehemiah. Think it over. But then, after thinking it over, notice what he did. I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles. Wow, we're not to be contentious, are we? No, we're not. But this is a righteous contention. Contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting usury each from his own brother. He just clearly steps out right away and shares what the sin is. You're exacting usuries from your brother. This is sin. He contended with them right away. You guys are sinning. It's emphatic. You are exacting usury. So the first thing Nehemiah does in his contending with them is exposes the sin that we've seen in those passages in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, right? He confronts it. But then, notice, he also, within this, was very wise in how he brought together everyone to address it. He was very wise. Notice what he says. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. I called everybody together. Nehemiah is the governor, and he gathers everyone together, a large, gadol, great assembly. And it's quite instructive and amazing how he does this, because there are times he doesn't just go out and this, 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 and this, and this to them, he identifies with part of their motives, but then shows where they're wrong. It's very interesting. He's very wise in how he does this. And notice verse 8. And I said to them, We, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Hey, you know what we've been doing? Nehemiah and his associates, they've been using their money to buy Jews out of the nations. This is what we've been doing. He very wisely shows the right heart before he dresses 
the wrong heart. And he has a foundation to show from his own example. And that's what the end of the chapter is about. That's why we'll get to that at the end. 15 to 19 is all about Nehemiah's example, which is a platform for then confronting and doing the right thing. You see, if you're sinning in the same way, you have no platform to confront anybody. If you're sinning, you need to be righteous and walking with the Lord that you can come alongside because God is doing the right thing through you that you can expose and teach and instruct in those situations. He says here, we, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? How ironic is that? I don't think he understood before he would have been outraged that maybe some of the brothers that he's buying back were actually sold because of the Jewish brothers who were exacting usury. He's, would you do that now that we're going to buy them back? It's crazy, right? That they may be sold to us. And what's their response? Then they were silent and could not find a word to say. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward. Big sin. And Nehemiah had a platform to share had a platform because of his righteousness, because of his doing good to them. It's a big principle for our passage today, that when you do good and you do the right thing, it gives you a platform to do what is right to help those who are being sinned against. Okay? Those downtrodden. So notice what he says. And again, I said, the thing which you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? Now he's bringing it out. Hey, there's consequences. What you're doing is not good. Shouldn't we fear God because of the reproach of the nations? We're Jews. We serve the Yahweh, the Lord of the universe. And the nations are probably reproaching. Ha, ha, ha. They're selling them and they're buying them back within themselves. Ha, ha, ha. Shouldn't we fear God? He's pulling the veil right off of their sin, right? The reproach of the nations. It's so sinful. Remember in Leviticus... They were told not to take user's income, but to fear or revere the Lord. So God is a good God who will make things right. And you better not mess with his people. You need to revere him and fear him and thus treat his people righteously. Think about brothers and sisters around you. Fear and revere the Lord. Treat them rightly. Very serious thing. You see, this selfish and greedy sin of usury was with one's brothers and sisters. And it revealed a self-love rather than a love for the Jewish brethren. It revealed a lack of a fear of God. And when you treat your brothers or sisters in Christ this way, you're revealing a lack of love, but a large self-love, and a lack of fear of God. Again, now notice the wisdom of Nehemiah as he continues. There's a lot of wisdom in here that we can learn from. Verse 10, And likewise, I, my brothers, my servants, are lending them money and grain. Hey, likewise, he's identifying with the bad guys at this point. Very interesting. But he's identifying with the right part of what they were doing, not the wrong part. You see, it's okay to lend them grain. It's not okay to charge them interest. So he's identifying, likewise, we're lending grain. He's actually very wise how he comes upon them. He is not putting them at a distance. He's identifying with them in this context. He's explaining the right thing, right? But what does he say? But let us leave off this usury. Stop it, right? Very wise in how he confronts them. We need to learn from this. He confronts them publicly. Very wise. Please let us leave off this usury. He's almost identifying himself as someone's doing it, but he's not. Let us. Let's not do this, brothers. Brothers and sisters, let us love one another, right? You know, we need to do it. 
You know, what came to mind here was Proverbs 25:12, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. He is wisely reproving them here. So notice what he says. He continues here. Please, verse 11, give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses, also a hundredth part of the money of the grain, of the new wine, and of the oil that you are exacting from them. He's like, hey, here's the solution. Make it right. Give them back their land and their property and all their stuff and give back the interest that you took from them. Give it back. Don't just stop being a creditor, but actually make it right. You know, sometimes we say, hey, with our children, whatever it might be, stop doing that. But we don't show them and teach them what they need to do to make it right. You got to make it right. So he says here, and so how do they respond here? Verse 12. Then they said, we will give it all back and require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. Praise the Lord, right? Now, Nehemiah could have said, hey, great, let's all go have a wonderful uh, meal. Let's, you know, well, I don't have much food, but let's go have some fellowship, whatever it might be. Let's do that. But Nehemiah doesn't do that. Nehemiah doesn't do that. He actually holds them to their word in front of everybody. Notice what he does, middle of verse 12. So I called the priests and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. I also shook out in front of my garment and said, Thus may God shake out every man from his house and from his possession who does not fulfill this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. This is not only just a leader, this is a spiritual leader saying there are consequences if you don't hold to what you are agreeing to do. You need to do it. It is very important. Or may God do this to you. And so then, serious stuff. Nehemiah, the leader here, he's also their spiritual leader in a sense. And he shares these principles. Fulfill your promise that you may not be shaken up and emptied. Fulfill your promise. And then notice how the assembly responded, middle of 13. And the assembly said, Amen. That's awesome, right? It's okay to say Amen. Amen, right? They said Amen. And what? And they praised the Lord. You know, when people do the right thing, praise God. Now, we don't know their hearts. We're not the heart inspectors. But we see something like this. We need to praise God. We need to praise God. We need to praise God when people are doing the wrong thing and they choose when confronted to do the right thing. If your children are doing the wrong thing and you're addressing them and they do the right thing, praise the Lord. And so they're praising the Lord here. Amen, so be it. And they praise the Lord. This is awesome. He confronted their sin wisely. And through this, he was able to do good to the people. Nehemiah is one who's doing good to them. He is doing good. And so what happens? Verse 13, they actually do it. The end of it. Then the people did according to this promise. They did it. Praise the Lord. That internal problem that threatened the work of God taken care of. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints... 
All our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, today we've seen the right response from those who were confronted in their sin. Yes, we have, Dave. Now, brothers and sisters, do you support your leaders when they confront sin? If so, it will lead to the Lord being greatly praised. Well, we're not done yet with this study, so join us for our next broadcast as we complete our look at Nehemiah chapter 5. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Thank you.